I want to start this morning by reading you an article that was published about a week ago. And uh, I, I happened to see it. It kind of caught my eye. And, and as I began to read through it, I thought, you know, this is uh, probably a good, uh, good one to share during the study that we're doing over the summer. For those of you visiting, um, we don't normally do this, but we are going through um, a topical type study, which is kind of funny uh, because this morning I'm teaching on why a healthy church does expositional preaching. And it kind of bashes the topical. No, it doesn't really bash the topical because I, I, let me walk that back. Anyway, because it, it's not the best way. And you'll understand why, hopefully by the end of this sermon, why we believe here at Community Baptist Church, the best way to teach you God's Word is simply to go through God's Word, a book study at a time. And so normally that's what we do. Um, but this summer, I, I do believe these are some important points that need to be made and uh, so this article kind of resonates with this. Let me share this with you. At a time when church attendance is shrinking in America, I, a pastor, am encouraging people to quit church. Why? The answer is birthed out of conversations and research I've been a part of over the last several years. Regularly, I meet and train pastors and church leaders from all over the country through my leadership platform. The conversations carry a common theme. A lot of people who attend church are passive towards serving, giving, and community outreach. In most churches, 80% of the work is being carried out by 20% or less of the people. We've become a church of spectators, and the pastoral staff is getting burned out. According to my own personal research, the problems are even bigger than the 80-20 principle. Only 39% of active believers, let me say that again, only 39% of active believers consider the Bible as the literal Word of God. Wow. Less than 20% of professing believers follow the biblical principle of giving. Only 5% have shared their faith with a non-believer. Less than 5%. More than half of all church members attend church once a month or less. Or they show up for like half a service. I don't know. <laughs> uh, something has to change. Casual attendance and the belief that others will serve, give, and share the gospel are tearing down churches across our country brick by brick. As believers... It's time that we're either all in or we get out. The solution is simple. Quit. That's right. Quit. If we quit the casual way we approach God's principles, can you imagine what would happen in our personal walks of faith and in our community of believers? What if every believer... Every believer exercised generosity 
What if every Christian fought for loyalty in the local church? What if everyone served in their God-given purpose? What would happen if we stopped simply believing and started belonging? If we would only quit the way we approach our relationship to Christ and our local church, the blessing, the reward, the joy, the fulfillment, the purpose, and the increase would radically transform our lives and the world. Together, we can revolutionize the church. I read that and I thought, man, absolutely. As we go through this study, I recognize for most of you, you would attest that, well, hey, you know, I believe we're part of a a healthy church. And and I do believe Community Baptist Church is a good church. It's a Bible-believing, Christ-centered church. I do believe that. But imagine if we quit church the way we understand it. Because there's a lot of us that, that, that we, quite frankly, we stay in the shallow end of the pool of our faith. Let's just be real. Some of these things that, that, that were read in the article, they hit us. And, 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 and the truth, if we allow it to sink in instead of justifying the reason, but allow simply the Spirit of God to have an effect in our heart, we would have to say, you know what? It is time that I get out of the kiddie pool. I'm 80 years old and I'm hanging out in the kiddie pool. That'd be a little weird, wouldn't it? You go to the pool tomorrow and you see some man in a Speedo and the, hey, kids want to play? Uh, no. Come on, honey, you're going over here. Come on, run. But yet we, spiritually speaking, we're kind of creepy old men, if you will, sometimes, uh, and, and we've not grown in our faith. And we're in the shallow end of our spiritual walk. And we need to quit that. We need to give that up and we need to begin to swim. We need to begin to grow. We need to begin to exercise our faith to say what we believe and actually live it out. And so as we go through this series on the nine marks of a healthy church, your pastor's prayer is that we will take to heart these truths that are grounded in Scripture and sort of do a self-examination on us. And if you're looking for a church, I pray that God will use this to speak to your heart about Community Baptist Church. And for all of us who've been here for a while, that again, we will re-examine where we are and that we might surrender and seek to serve our Lord and Savior because He's worthy. So with that said, let's begin this series. Our first point this morning Mark number one, if you will. And my clicker's not clicking, brother. Um, or Oh, it is. It's just not back here. Sorry about that. Here I am going through the whole sermon. <laughs> my apologies, sir. If we could get it on that screen, it would be awesome. So, Mark one. Exp- um, this is the first thing we want to talk about this morning. Exposit- expository preaching. Typically, when you come to a church, you're going to hear three types of sermons. In any given church, you, you, you know, I don't know your background, I don't know where you're from, but typically this is sort of the big picture. Now, there's a lot more. There's, you can break this down in smaller uh, uh, subtitles, if you will, but these are the three basics. The topical sermon. And the topical sermon is normally a series of Bible verses that are loosely connected with a theme. And, and so, like, for example, so 4th of July, 
Uh, so like tonight, we'll do a devotional, and that will be topical. A lot of times there's a subject matter that needs to be discussed in the church. And again, don't, don't misunderstand me. This isn't necessarily wrong. I just would propose to you it's not always best. We typically hit our topical studies in between book studies because there are times in the life of a church we need to deal with a topic. And so, again, that's, that's one type. The other is what we call the textual type. Sometimes you'll sit in a church and you'll hear a textual sermon. These are usually short texts or passages as a gateway into whatever subject the preacher chooses to address. And so a lot of times that's what you'll, you'll get. Whatever the preacher wants to speak on, he will typically take some passages and pull it out and hit on that. And that's not necessarily wrong either. But it can be dangerous if that is a constant practice. It can be manipulative if not spirit-led. And so, again, not, neither of those two are wrong necessarily. But I, I would suggest that looking at Scripture, as we'll see this morning, it's not what's best. Um, so, the expository preaching. And this is what you will hear at Community Baptist Church. Uh, this is what we believe in. If you go to our website, it's sort of a subcategory. We say we're an exegetical, and I'll show you what that means in just a minute. But expository preaching, simply put, fancy word, $10 word, that means this. It focuses on the text and its context. It focuses on the text and its context. It is historical as well as contemporary. Because I believe that the Word of God is relevant let me say that again. The Word of God is relevant. I do not buy into anyone who would tell you that, oh, we just need to make the Word of God relevant for the people today. That's someone who doesn't understand proper biblical interpretation. Because, guys, there's nothing more rev relevant than the Creator God, the one who gives us life and sustains our life, who has given us His Word, and it is the living Word. Expository. Expository preaching. The first mark of a healthy church is expositional preaching. It, it's not only the first mark, it's far and away the most important of them all. Because if you get this one right, all the others should follow. Mark Dever in his book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, which this series comes from, he makes this point. He said, look, if you don't get any of the other marks... A church better get this one right. Because if we get this one wrong, church, we miss the point. This is crucial to a healthy church. So, three things we're going to look at this morning. The why of expositional preaching, the why of expositional preaching, and the how. The what, the why, and the how. What is expositional preaching? A sermon is expositional if its content and intent are controlled by the content and intent of a particular passage of Scripture. Well, what do you mean? Well, let me say it another way. Expositional preaching takes the point of a particular passage of Scripture to be the point of the message. Still not getting it? Okay, how about this? The passage shapes 
the message. The passage of Scripture shapes the message rather than the message shaping the passage. Guys, we are what's called exegetical in our teaching. Exegetical teaching. And that simply means that we pull out the meaning from the context of the Scripture. We don't pour meaning into the passage of Scripture. I'll give you an example. Guy steps up for a community Baptist church, softball team. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And meanwhile, the pitcher's saying the same thing. I can do all things. <laughs> and we're pouring meaning into a passage. Is this not like the sports verse of the nation? I mean, it's like, you know, it's painted across under here. And I mean, this is like the sports verse. Guys, is the context of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me a sports verse? Absolutely not. But we've eisegesis, we've poured meaning into that. And so now we say, well, hey, I can use that for sports. Guys, context tells us Paul, he's, go back and look at it, he's having some suffering, he's having some trials. He says, man, whether I'm, a, whether I'm exalted, whether I'm a base." Whether I'm clothed, whether I'm naked, whether I'm starving, you know, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You want to apply that to a trial and suffering in your life? Now you've got some good application. That's the intent within the content. That's the message. That applies. This doesn't apply. Now... Don't beat me up afterwards with your baseball bat because I just ruined your career at softball. I learned to hold my tongue, Larry. This, I was going to make a joke there, but I learned in Sunday school. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. By the way, y'all should come check that out. It's a good Sunday school study. Just saying. Why? Why expositional preaching? Well, consider this. Check out this quote thought this was pretty good as well. Um, let me read this and then I'll talk about that. Expositional preaching presumes a belief in the authority of Scripture. But it's something more. A commitment to expositional preaching is a commitment to hear God's Word. Even as Old Testament prophets and New Testament apostles were given not just a commission to go and speak, but a particular message. So Christian preachers today have authority to speak from God only so long as they speak His words. Thus, the expositional preacher's authority begins and ends with Scripture. Guys, you know, uh, for those of you who know me, you know that my desire is to rightly divide the word of truth. As someone who would not have a shame, not be ashamed one day when I stand before the presence of God in hopes that I have fed his sheep the truth of God's word. You know, we, we, we make jokes a lot of times. I, I, I can tend to, to be a little long-winded. I, I, I understand that. Uh, but please understand that um, I have a message. I have a message from the Lord. Sorry, I had VeggieTales just kicked back in right there. <laughs> I have four children, I do. Some pastors preach longhorn sermons. Have you heard this? Some preachers uh, preach longhorn sermons. A point here, a point here, and a lot of bull between. 
Now, that's not your pastor, all right? Uh, we may have some, some foolish jokes along the way, but the content of the message from the pulpit must be God-centered. It must be grounded in the Word of God. The world does not need sermons. It needs a message. You can go to seminary and learn how to preach sermons. But you will have to go to God to get messages. Oswald J. Smith. And that's true. Before we go into a book study here at Community Baptist Church, you know I always ask you to pray for your pastor that God will lead me to the book study that we need to do next. Because it's my prayer that as we open the bread of life, that it will sustain you, that it will feed you, that it will strengthen you, and that God will use it to encourage you, to build you up in the faith. And that's only done through expository preaching. So why? He, again, in the quote I read to you just a second ago, it presumes a belief in the authority of the Scripture. 39% according to that statistic I just read you a little while ago, 39% of believers don't even believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God? What's wrong with that picture? Yet I see it all the time, guys, even with good Bible-believing Christians. What we say we believe and what we actually practice sometimes don't match up. But if we're going to have a pulpit ministry, it must be that it's based upon the authority of God's Word. We live in a day where everything, and it should not be a surprise, guys. What did Satan, we learned, again, reminded in Sunday school. Where did Satan attack in the very beginning of time? Oh, did, did God really mean that? That's not really what God meant. Did God really say that? That's not what he really meant. And we live in a day that's no different. The Word of God, especially the authority, because that's what's behind that. There was an attack upon the authority of God's Word. And we live in a day, in a culture, where everything around you is assaulting the very Bible you say you believe. Well, surely, surely uh, the Bible doesn't speak to science. So, so we can have this idea in science that man has given us and just pursue that unchecked. Can we? By the way, the Bible speaks a lot to science. That's why we are where we are in the science program today. was because believers ahead of these guys did some foundational work. But no good science will ever contradict the scriptures. Two hundred years from now, rest assured, there will be, if the Lord tarries and there's people still populating this great country, our science books will be a lot different than what they are today. Don't believe me? Go back two hundred years ago. Any of y'all want a blood transfusion practice from two hundred years ago? I didn't think so. Guys, the methods of man, modern man's discoveries, and, and it, it's, it's moving... But God's divine authority is settled. When we preach and teach the Word of God, we must presume 
the belief in the authority of the Scripture. Now, we may not understand everything about it. Obviously, that's part of our growing. That's part of our faith. But I can assure you, it's true. Not because I say it's true. Because of the very character of who God is. A commitment to hear God's Word. You know, we live in a day where there's not a commitment to hear God's Word. And not just hearing it. James reminds us that we're to be doers of the Word, not just hearers. There's not a commitment. Bible reading, Bible study, coming to, to the local church, the Bible study, Sunday, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, that's just something, eh, we just do. We, you know, sometimes when we feel like it, sometimes when it fits our schedule. Guys, where's the commitment? When you said I do to your spouse, did you just say, hey, I'll see you next Sunday? Two hours, baby, me and you, next week. <laughs> two hours. I'm, commitment. I'm really committed next week. I'm not giving you the normal hour. I'm giving you two. I'm that kind of guy. But yet, by our actions, we kind of treat God that way, don't we? Some of us will go home today and put our Bible down, and you say, well, you ain't even opened the Bible yet, preacher, so what are you talking about? I know, guys, I told you this was a rarity. Everything within me is going, get over there. But anyway, got to get through this. But imagine, go home, you put your Bible down today. You never pick it up again until next Sunday morning. And we wonder why we struggle with believing God's Word. We don't know it. We're not committed to it. A commitment to bring God's Word to God's people. Not only, if we're going to be a healthy church, there must be expositional preaching that believes that the Word of God is the authority. It's the final authority in all of life. And there's a commitment to hear it. There's a commitment to, to want to receive it. There's a commitment to want to read it, but there's also that commitment to want to apply it. Because it's, it's not enough to just store this up in ourselves, in these earthen vessels, and just hide it. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. So let it shine, man. We've got to go out and share God's Word. There's got to be a commitment to that. Expository preaching. You know what they say in real estate? It's the same when it comes to understanding the Bible. What's really important when we come, when it comes to expositional preaching, when it comes to the teaching, when it comes to reading God's Word? Location, location, location. Again, think about the illustration I just gave you a little while ago. When we pull that out of its location, we pour meaning into it. We make it about a sports context when that's not the location of the passage within its setting. So you need to read before and you need to read after it to get a full understanding of what God meant when He said it to the people He said it to. And now I've got to figure out how that applies to my life today in modern times. This is how we do that. This is a, a, a little something that will help you. It's called the homiletical bridge. All right? The homiletical bridge. And basically how this works... Let's see, where's my little laser light here? On the side? On the top. Just push that button down. Woo look at that. Oh, man, i got to take this home to my cat, honey. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Sarah, I didn't mean that. Yeah, I probably did. Right here, you notice this is exegetical. That's what we talked about. We're an exegetical church. We, we believe that when we read the Scripture, we don't pour into the Scripture, we pull out of the Scripture. It starts with exegetical. The original meaning. What did this originally mean to the people in which it was written to? 
So no matter what you're reading in your Bible, whether it's the Old Testament, whether it's the New Testament, you need to understand the people, you need to understand the time, you need to understand the original audience. Is it Israel? Is it the church? Who is it? Is it a believer, a non-believer? Who's it? Who is it? So we need to recognize the original meaning, the ex- and then we take from that original meaning, because God had a meaning, and we pull from that, this is called the homiletical bridge, theological timeless principles. In other words, what is the truth in this passage that a- applies to any audience? So staying with our passage of Scripture, Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I understand who it was written to, there's suffering going on. Paul has just been, man, he's been in prison. He's been beaten for the sake of the gospel. There's a lot of junk that's happened in Paul's life. Hey, there's a lot of junk that's happened in my life. So Paul has said here in all the prison and all the junk he had in his life, he said, you know what? With, with, with contentment and godliness, there's great gain. Hey, I can do all things through Christ I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you know what? Yeah, this is a stinky circumstance I'm in. Yeah, this pretty much is lousy. Yeah, I know what Paul's talking about because I remember days of great joy on the mountaintop, but right now I'm in the valley. But you know what? Paul's right. Whether I'm on the mountaintop or in the valley, I can do this. I can do this because Christ gives me the strength to do this. And that's the homiletical. That's that's the principle applied. That's the modern artist. That's me. That's you. So when I read the Word of God, this is how I rightly divide the Word of God. Expository preaching seeks to do that. It seeks to explain the meaning of God's Word in its original context. Bring it across the bridge, across the time to where you are today. Because God didn't have multiple meanings. Because here's the problem. We go to Bible study and we say, well, what does this passage mean to you? Now, if you've got 10 people in the room and you ask that question, you've got 10 different answers. Well, I believe that means I can hit a home run. Well, that means I believe I can strike you out. Well, I believe that means I'll be okay sitting on the bench. Right, Coach? Anyway. I mean, you know, we've got all kinds of meaning in that, right? I don't want to know what you think the Bible means. You don't want to know what I think the Bible means. We all want to know what does God mean. What did he mean when he said it? Well, who are you to pick and choose? Exactly. Do you have this problem when you read the newspaper or any other novel? Well, I think the the author of this book never intended for Harry Potter to have magical powers. I think that's symbolic. (laughs) That's what I think. I think actually Harry Potter is a figment of your imagination. I think the author laid that out in this little scenario. Who cares, guys? That's not what the author meant. The author had a meaning. You wouldn't like that. Somebody twisted your words. You wrote down something you poured your heart into, and then somebody took it and read it and said, Oh, yes. Oh, let me tell you what this means. And then they started to tell everybody in the world what you meant. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I meant. I don't know how you got that, but that's what we do. We do that across pulpit and pulpit across America. Oh, God gave me a word today. Why don't you try reading the word he already gave you and expound on that? We don't need a new revelation. We got everything. I don't know about you, but I have a hard enough time trying to understand what he's given me. And and by God's grace alone, can I apply it? 
So, expository preaching. It's the first mark of a healthy church. Every church should have the Word at its center. Every church should have the Word at its center. I know some of you say, man, he's just now reading the Bible and it's been 50 minutes. No, I've been <laughs> close to it. Think about 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Blameless, not perfect. Healthy. You want to be complete? You want to be healthy, church? It's through the God-breathed word that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16. Preaching should have the Word directing it. Again, these principles that I'm expounding upon you today, they are just that. They are principles that are derived from God's Word. We're going to look at a lot of passages here in just a second in rapid concession fire time. In just a second. Preaching should have the Word directing it. God has decided to use His Word to bring life. Right? You're a born-again believer because somebody shared the Word of God. And the Spirit of God took the Word of God because Ephesians 2 tells us we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were rebellious against God. And unless the Spirit of God quickens you, we would not be awakened. And how does He use, how does He do that? Through the Word of God. You heard the message. You heard John 3, 16. You heard that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message that people have been proclaiming throughout the ages. That's the message that you and I have been entrusted to proclaim to a lost and dying world. And so how are we to deliver expositional preaching? By the power of the Word of God. Now I'm going to tell you, as a preacher, this is free. This is one of the reasons why I love doing a book study, Bible book study, not normally a secondary book study like this. Because the power is in the Word of God. It's not in my ability to be an orator or... Did I even... Is that word right? Anyway. The power of the Word of God. How did everything... I'm going to ask you a series of questions here in the last five minutes. How did God create everything? Genesis 1, 1 through 3. talked about this in Sunday school. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God created everything by His Word. How did God choose to bring life to dry bones? You remember this story? In Ezekiel 37, 3 through 4, the prophet, he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? All these dead bones? I answered, O Lord God, you know again, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
Check out that account sometime. Now, I believe that is, again, looking at the context, symbolic to Israel, and one day them being called back to life, if you will, that wild, that were the wild branch that was grafted into the vine, which is Christ, when they rejected their Messiah, the gospel went to the Gentile world. And so now we've been recipients of that amazing grace. But he says, just like that one branch was broke off, it can be grafted back in. And I believe that Scripture tells us one day the times of the Gentiles is coming to an end and he will turn his attention back to Israel and those dead bones will come to life again. Those people will. But again, how? Through the Word of God. The Word of God, church, is everything to our life. Period. How does Paul say that faith comes? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. You say, well, I'm a, I don't understand the Bible. Just, I struggle in my faith. I struggle in my walk. Get more word. Faith comes by hearing. You want to strengthen your faith? Your faith is weak? Get in the word. Let the word get into you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Pull up our podcasts. Check out some previous sermons. Go through the book of Hebrews. We just finished it, but you know what? Tag back on and go through it again. Hear the word of God preached and taught. And hide it in your heart so you won't sin against Him. This is how our faith grows. How does John say that sanctification occurs? Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I want to know how to live separated from the world and be a, a, a better follower of Christ through the word of God. That's how He chose to sanctify us. That's what Jesus prayed when He asked the Father, set us apart. And the only way you and I are going to grow in that faith and grow in that understanding is by hearing and heeding the Word of God. How does Paul say that God cleanses the church? Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself to her that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. So here is a, a, an application to both believers, the church, and also for husbands and wives. And the answer is the same. It's the Word of God. We want to sanctify our marriage. You want to set your marriage apart from the world. You, you don't want to be the 50% statistic, over 50, the, you know, the latest quote-unquote statistics of the Christian home is no different than the world's home when it comes to marriage. They're ending in divorce. Why? Because we're not sanctifying our wives through the teaching of God's Word, men. We're not leading our wives in the Word of God. That's our responsibility, to be the priest of the home, to share the Word of God, to have our conversations around the things of God's Word. We've got to do that. And ladies, that doesn't mean, preacher said, you got to start reading the Bible. I expect you to start reading tonight, honey. Okay, let the Holy Spirit take care of that. He'll do a lot better job than you. Trust me on that one. All right? We can silently and quietly pray. Maybe we're going to open up the Bible and sit there and read when the husband's coming to get the breakfast. You know, whatever. Whatever. You figure that one out. <laughs> I know some of y'all looking at me like, oh, my husband make his own breakfast. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever how your house works, all I'm saying is let the Word of God be at the center. That's the way God intended it. 
how we grow together. What does Paul command Timothy to do as a minister? Preach the word. Guys, I love you, but my great commission is not visit, visit, visit. I have a command. It's the same thing he told Peter. It's the same thing Paul's telling Timothy here. Feed his sheep. Preach the word. Acts. When there, when there were great needs. And listen, that's, it's not to say, that's not saying, don't, don't you go out of here misunderstanding what the preacher said. I didn't say visits weren't important. Just like caring for those widows in Acts 6 was very important. What do the apostles say who, who represent elders in that context of a new church being born? Pastors. They said, don't take my word for it, go to the word of God. They said, choose from amongst yourself. Spirit-filled men. People who can help take care of these situations. But for us, we need to be given to prayer. And we need to be given to the teaching of God's word. Both are important, guys, but both require differing people to carry out the responsibilities. And if we are going to be a healthy church, I need to preach the Word. And I need you to pray for me to preach the Word, to be ready in season and out of season, to convince and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. The Word of God is authoritative. John 1.1 1, 1 said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do we see a theme here? The Word is how we must teach and preach. And I know it sounds a bit hypocritical. I understand this because it's like, well, you can hardly even preach the Word this morning. Trust me, it pains me more than it pains you. But this is important to get through this. Because it is pointing us back to Christ. It is pointing us back. And it does need to be said. The power of the Word of God. We just learned this in our Hebrews study. Hebrews 1.1 said, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, and has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed, heir of all things, through whom also He made the world's. The power of the Word of God. Biblical case for expositional preaching. The biblical case for expositional preaching starts with the connection between the gift, the ascended Christ is given to the church in pastor-teachers, Ephesians 4.11, and the biblical injunction for pastor-teachers to preach the Word. Those who preach should preach their Bibles. And as a practice here at Community Baptist Church, you guys know this. That's exactly what we seek to do. The Bible reminds us to guard our doctrine and our conduct. Our youth know firsthand what the world has to offer. They need to be reached at a younger age because of the world of the internet that ravages young minds sooner than ever before. Building their faith is not a prime strength in our churches today. We seem to think that we need to entertain them into the church. But what you win them with is often what you win them to. Robbie Zacharias. Let me say that quote again. Listen to that last point. What you win them with 
is often what you win them to. Guys, I love basketball ministry. I love volleyball ministry. I love softball ministry. But if we just win you because of that, we win you to that, that's what's going to keep you here. And the second that we no longer offer those programs, you'll be gone. Oh, we have a great ladies' ministry. The second the ladies' ministry is gone, if that's why you came here, that's why you'll be out these doors. Oh, I love the care groups. And if the care groups is why you came here, and, and, and that's, what you, we, that's what won you here, that's what won you here, then that's what's going to keep... As soon as the care groups are done, you'll be gone. Let me say this. Oh, I love that preacher. I love that pastor. Said 10%. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love that preacher. Guys, the second I'm gone, you're gone. I don't want the preacher. I don't want the care groups. I don't want the sports ministry. I don't want the ladies' ministry, the men's ministry. I don't want any of those things to be the reason we're at Community Baptist Church. I want the reason we're at Community Baptist Church is because Jesus Christ is Lord of the church, and He's given us His Word, and we love His Word, and His Word is proclaimed here. And that's what draws us through these doors, and that's what edifies us, and that's what strengthens us, and that's what unites us as a group of believers. That's what's going to sustain us. That's what's going to give us the strength to press forward. That's what's going to heal your marriage. That's what's going to help your finances. That's what's going to help you when you're exalted or you're a base, when you're on the mountain or you're in the valley, to give those dry bones life. And that's in the Word of God. It's in none of those other things. Now, we can use those as vehicles, and that's what we do. But the Word of God must remain center in every ministry we do here. Or we might as well close the doors. Conclusion. Expositional preaching should be the regular preaching diet of the church because it forces us to look at and learn all God's Word. Guys, a preacher who teaches topical all the time will only be able to feed you with what he knows. Let me say that again. A topical preacher will only be able to feed you with what he knows. But when we go through a book study, your preacher is challenged in the hard passages to dig in and understand what did God mean to the original audience. What is the biblical principle in this? And how do we apply that today? That grows me which in hopefully return grows you. It forces us to learn. It is the most logical way to go through the Bible if we believe it to be the Word of God. Why would we go any other way? Why would we do this any other way? If we really believe this is the Word of God, why wouldn't we go through it that way? only makes sense. God's Word is what He has chosen to accomplish His purpose. That's what he chose. Go and preach the word. How will they hear unless someone is sent? He's told us this. By regularly hearing the word and submitting to what it says, we see God accomplish his purpose in our lives and our church. Topical preaching has its place, hence today, the church in the church, but its function is best as a supplement to expository preaching as your pastor my prayer is 
I would never rely on the cleverness of, ex, of the exposition, but on the Holy Spirit, Ian Bounds. That's Mark 1 of a healthy church. We've got eight more to go. Not today, though. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate you being here. With that said, uh, we're going to close things out in prayer. And I invite you back this evening. Uh, again, 4 o'clock, uh, game time will start. And then food at 6. Um, and we will uh, seek to encourage one another in fellowship today. But keep this in mind, guys, as you go out of here today. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is authoritative. This speaks to every area of my life and your life. Every area. It's the final say. Let's love it. Let's be one to it. Let's treasure it in our heart because this word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he went to a cross at Calvary and he took our sin and he nailed it there. He paid the penalty in his own blood. Though he did not deserve it, we did. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And he died and was buried. And three days later, he took his life up again showing he's victorious over the grave. And he offers to whosoever will, let him come. If you've never received the word of life, this church aims to hold forth the word of life, that you would receive him, that you put your faith in him alone. He's made a way. Receive that gift today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to love it more and more every day. Help us to treasure it. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry over the years here, the pulpit ministry that has faithfully, through the Sunday school classes, through the small groups, Lord, through the various ministries, the ladies' ministry. The, Lord, it, the Bible is center here. And I pray that you will guard that and it will remain that. And so, Father, I ask that you will help us and lead us as we go from here today to hide your word in our heart so we wouldn't sin against you, but that we would hold forth the word of life in our actions and who we are set apart as a healthy church for the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.